Hey friends, Heather Avis here. I'm excited to share with you about the Lucky Few Foundation, where we believe storytelling is the key to shifting the Down syndrome narrative. We believe sharing our stories fosters empathy and it creates a kinder, more inclusive world. One of the avenues in which we do this is through our foundation and our storytelling project called This is Down Syndrome. This is Down Syndrome is a unique storytelling machine that we use to shout the worth of people with Down Syndrome. It is a project positioned to tell real, diverse, and inclusive stories, stories which will get real people having real conversations, changing hearts and minds, and shifting narratives. Stories which not only benefit the Down Syndrome community, but strengthen our collective humanity because it's one thing to know about Down syndrome, and it's another thing entirely to know a person with Down syndrome. This is an invitation for you to help us create a world where everyone belongs. The Lucky Few Foundation believes storytelling is central to this mission, and we invite you to join us. Head to theluckyfewfoundation.org to learn more. Let's get started. Test, 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 test. Cord. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know how Alexa does these, has like, if you have an Alexa, it turns green and then that means there's a notification. Micah might not know because she's a Google girl, but there, and then you say Alexa, play notifications. And lately, the last few weeks, it's been like extreme weather warning wind advisory. And I, hate mm. the wind like it stresses wow. me out to the max i can't stand the wind and then two days ago the green lights flashing and i said play notification she said um extreme heat advisory and i'm like yes i'm so happy <laughs> i'm like a lizard like please just give me the sun somebody <laughs> like i lizard. grew up with extreme winds Maybe yes the windiest part of oh. the country Oh, really? And, uh-huh. What do you do? Do you just embrace it? Like, just let just, it I mean, whip through you your hair? If you grow up, whip like, if you your live. Hair. Yeah, I listen. <laughs> I told you all that my mom always made me have a perm. Mm. I had to have a perm growing up because she said my hair was too stringy. <laughs> and I just. And That's I, all I prayed for was stringy hair. <laughs> God damn. Here. Give me the thinnest, stringiest <laughs> hair possible. <laughs> well, I the thinnest stringiest hair and I and she was like you can't ever have long hair it's just not gonna work for you <laughs> and then I moved away from Mamorello and I was like oh, I have beautiful hair oh my gosh <laughs> I grew my hair out for the first time in my life I grew out because I'd never had long hair because how long did you grow it up till like past my shoulders <gasps> like cute like this this far down if listeners are listening, right above listening. my bosom. Perfect. <laughs> Slightly above her nip. Above. Oh my gosh. <laughs> not quite Eve. Not quite covering it up. <laughs> but it is amazing. I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that I could have like pretty hair. But It was, it was that dang wind. wind. It was all the wind. Uh, cursed wind. <laughs> All right, ladies, I think enough of that. Let's go ahead and shift, shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Today, we're going to be, ch- we're going to be chatting about sibling dynamics. All right, let's get started.
Okay, so we know about wind and hair. This is good to know. Um, <laughs> and we're still in the month of April. I like to remind us what month we're in. Good. It's good to be reminded. <laughs> we record. I don't know why. Each episode. <laughs> Each episode. Still in April. How are you, ladies? <laughs> Give me a little random small talk. Ready? Ooh. Go. <laughs> um. Okay. So my bunnies. They're having babies. Okay, give us a bunny update. I think Wait, that the listeners a need a little back. The amount of babies that bunnies story. have. A song. It's like yes. should be probably. Bu- oh, is yeah. It was like a pop song. Do what the bunnies do. Oh my <laughs> god! It was a pop song, not a child song. Is it a nursery rhyme or like a really filthy and rap like song? Two thousands. Like I think that's so funny. Okay, Marissa, this is perfect because we're talking about siblings and all these oh, bunnies. Oh, yes. So you guys, tell so... the listeners the backstory a little bit, though. Yes. So our our sweet bunny, Rocky, had babies with our other sweet bunny, Walter. She had four babies, and they were everything to me. <laughs> this is dramatic, but I didn't know she was pregnant. She had dug a burrow. I didn't know she had babies, and at, like, two weeks old, they emerged from the burrow, the most precious little fluffy pumpkins ever. And it was a shock and a glorious surprise. And then one by one, they all died and it was tragic and really hard because the kids were all excited. And then each morning one passed away and I just feel like personal responsibility. Cause I think we held them too early. I think we kind of messed with her burrow. So it wasn't like proper. I don't know. I just felt like it was one of those things where humans got in the way. And so she has a new burrow that she visits all the time. And so I think she gave birth again and we're not going to touch it. I've got like a gate around it. It's basically what you see when you go to Hawaii and there's like a turtle inhabitant, <laughs> inhabitant right? an endangered species. Yeah, an endangered species. I'm like, you guys are not allowed to sneeze over here. Like this is precious sanctuary. And we're just going to let her do her thing this time. We're not going to intervene because we were reading so much online about like, make sure there's no um, stillborns in the nest and stuff. So we were kind of like diving in and like, you know, making sure there was no stillborn so that Rocky wouldn't eat it and all this stuff. But this time we're not going to do anything. We're not going to touch, let nature take its course. How, well, how long ago, how do you know those babies? Did you see them? I haven't seen them. I would have to go into the burrow. Okay. So we're not doing that. No, I learned <laughs> not going to do that. You have the shock, you I have like have... shock wire or whatever it is. How yes. long ago did, the, did the other bunnies happen? How long ago did you lose the other bunnies? So we found them on a Monday. Then it was like Monday night. We woke up Tuesday. One was gone. Tuesday night, woke up Wednesday. One, another one was gone and it just kept happening. Now also we kept our boy bunny away from our girl bunny because Rocky could have been not nursing her babies by then because she was already pregnant again. They could get pregnant again within a few hours. So this was of just giving birth. not that long ago. No. Oh. So this was like, um, I don't know when this one's airing eight. Oh, April 19th. So this one was at the beginning of April or end of March. 
that this happened. That you lost the other babies. That we lost the other baby oh, bunnies. But she could have been pregnant because I did. This is why bunnies have a reputation in yes. pop yeah, songs. Because they, yeah. <laughs> they literally do that. They just keep doing <laughs> it. Mama. I know. And so then Let's we give kept, the girl a break. I was seriously, Walter. He's such a young buck. <laughs> We have to watch. Um, some kids might be listening. Sorry, parents, if you weren't ready for the convo. So moving on, <laughs> our bunnies probably have babies again. And so we're anxiously awaiting. And if this is true, they will be born and rise from the burrow again around Easter. Stop it. <laughs> this yeah, is too perfect. Yes. They, um, once they're born, it's only two weeks till they start hopping out of the burrow. Amazing. Wow. Okay, keep I us updated. Like I can't wait to know more. You know what? This time I'm not going to say it on Instagram. Now no. I feel like it's a birth thing. I'm going to only say when they're like four or six weeks old and I know they're alive and well. Good idea. <laughs> so you heard it here, listeners, not on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And we may, Mercedes may or may not come back with an update <laughs> yeah so if we'll i don't come know. back it's just let it lie okay guys yes. no news is not necessarily good news <laughs> yes in this case <laughs> oh my gosh Merce. okay i love this bunny story i'm as your irl friend i'm i'm gonna be texting you about it though so i'm gonna keep on <laughs> i want to know all the things <laughs> as before we move on to our episode mercedes will you read a review from a yes, listener i would love to this review comes from Kennedy, who says, I feel so inspired and encouraged each time I listen to an episode. I love that I feel part of this amazing community, and I learned so much by listening to all the guests. Keep up the amazing work. Yay. Thank you, Kennedy, so, so much. Um, friends, don't forget to review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We love to read these. We feel encouraged. And we'd love to read yours out loud next week. Thanks, guys. Yes. I am excited to jump into this topic today, you guys. We're, you. We haven't talked about this in a while. And I don't know if we've ever had an episode that's just the three of us talking about it. Oh, yeah. But I don't think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Today we're talking about sibling relationships. That's right. We get a lot of questions. Whenever we do a Q&A on our Instagram page or oftentimes in the DM direct messages, we have a lot of people ask varying questions about sibling relations and relationships. And so all of us have kids with Down syndrome and kids without Down syndrome. So we're going to share some of our experiences and ideas and thoughts behind these questions. So let's let's jump in. And these are things we've touched on in past episodes, but I, I actually want to start Micah with you because Mercedes and I, our kids with Down syndrome, our oldest. Mm. And so I think it's like when you have a child and then you bring in another child, that's all they know. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a conversation ever about, well, your sibling has Down syndrome. It just is, has always been, but Ace is your youngest. So I would love to have you talk a little bit about how you explain Down syndrome to August and Brooks, your older two boys and how old they were and that process for you. Yeah. This is interesting because, uh, Ace is turning seven 
And actually, by the time this airs, he will be seven already. Mm. And uh, August, my oldest, is almost 14. And so when Ace was born, he was almost seven. Mm. Uh, So it's been half of now, half of my motherhood, Mm. Ace has been around. And it does feel a little bit like divided into two parts. Mm. Um, Like there were the before times and the after times. And uh, I think, well, I mean, I could talk forever about how beautifully transformative Ace's presence in our family has been for how, like what we look like as a family and, and how we communicate and what we value and all of those things. But when I told the boys, Brooksy and August, that they would be having a brother with Down syndrome, it was a slow building up process, partially Mm -hmm. because I had gotten a prenatal diagnosis and it wasn't an amniocentesis. It was the blood test. And when I got the blood test and got a positive result, I was told it was 99, 98% accurate. And then that same week, literally the same week, New York Times had an article about how it's 50% accurate. Oh my gosh. It was, it was just literally about that exact test. And, and I don't know now, I haven't kept up with that, like statistics in that way. And I think it was not necessarily that it was 50% accurate, but I think it was like, if it was wrong, then it was really wrong. I don't know. But that just the, the whole article was about that there were a lot of people who were taking it as 99% accurate and making decisions about Mm. whether or not to keep their child based on this blood test, which wasn't necessarily accurate enough to make that, those kinds of decisions. So wild. So I had that, you know, I was working through the grief of um, my life is feeling upside, turned upside down. Mm. What do I do with this? And also then like, can I trust this test? And I'm not going to do an amnio. And um, I, I had taken the blood test knowing that ACE was going to be part of our lives, um, no matter what it, the result was. So I sort of was left with how do I grieve in a healthy way? How do mm-hmm. I prepare in a healthy way? And how do I leave my hands open for what this might or might not be? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've talked here. We recently had Amy Julia Becker on. And she has been a friend in my life for the past decade. So I had been so grateful to turn to her immediately when I got my positive test. And she had walked me through a lot of things. Um, there's another woman I, kn- I knew who was a writer who had um, two daughters with Down syndrome. And she sent me a book immediately. And it was, um, guess which Down syndrome picture book? There's the octopus like, that paint the octopus yes. red. Yeah. And there was like, only two. There were two. <laughs> that was the one. That was the one. It's so cute. It's got it a good little cool. message. Yeah. And it's good. It was a great sibling book. Yeah. So my boys were at a good age too, where I was like, look, we got a new book about a kid having a baby brother. And so we just started to read it. And that was literally all that I did to prep mm-hmm. them was we read it fairly often and, and they would be like, 
you know, they would ask questions about Down syndrome just because it was in the book. Mm -hmm. And so we, I, that was, that was already there. And then when Ace came home, we hadn't shared with them the first day. And we were kind of, Chris and I were trying to think about how we're going to tell them or explain to them. And then someone came over um, to see Ace and he was in the Young Life Ministry called Capernaum, mm-hmm. which is a ministry to people with disabilities. And he was, so he was so excited to come see Ace. And he came in and he immediately in front of the boys said something about Ace's Down syndrome. And they were both like, Ace has Down syndrome? Ace has Down syndrome? And they both got excited and they pulled out the book. <laughs> And I was like, yes, the same thing is in the book. And they were like, that's why you read us this book. <laughs> and, and that was the story. <laughs> that's amazing. It wasn't exactly perfect because Chris and I were like planning on a heart to heart, which we did have a heart to heart after <laughs> this friend left. But um, it was, it did feel like a gentle, a gentle slope that we walked up and you know, by the time we got to the top, everybody was like, oh, we get this. So that was the, our intro. Did you feel like you needed a heart to heart? Did either of your boys, I mean, it sounds like when they found out they were like, oh, this is, this is amazing. Just like the kid in the book. Or were there moments for either of them that were grief? There were, and that, but that didn't come at the beginning. Okay. Um, and there are still moments that are grief. Sure. Because I think the older they get, the more the gap is. Mm-hmm. between them and Ace, the more they see what it will life will look like for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are still moments of frustration that he doesn't, I think the biggest thing is that he doesn't speak and mm-hmm. that that hurts them both um, at different times. Um, so sometimes it looks like anger, like mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of this. He needs, I just want him to talk. And uh, but I think I shared once early in one of our episodes about um, a moment with August that was really, really hard. And that was when Ace was probably two or th- I think about two in the summer. My sister-in-law has a good friend with Down syndrome who she is in her late 20s. They're friends from high school. They still hang out a lot. And she invited him over for us to meet him and for him to meet Ace when we were visiting um, my father-in-law's house. And so he was, you know, this 20, probably back then, 24-year-old. And uh, when, when August saw him, I think it was the first time he really had wrapped his head around, like, what mm-hmm. someone is going to, like, what an adult with Down syndrome might act like, look like, talk like, and that turned in when he left, there were a lot of tears and August Mm. and I had to talk through it and work through it for a while. But I think those are like, that is part of the, having a younger sibling with a diagnosis is like, there's, it's going to be a slow unravel, unveiling of what, like as parents, you you know what this will probably look like. But as a kid, you don't really know. It's Mm -hmm. just your sibling. And then as you age and see and experience more of the world, you understand that this world doesn't really accept 
people right. with your siblings diagnosis that mm-hmm. that they're really they really are different and you have to work through it and make peace with it. Wow, I feel like I still go through that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was out to um, lunch with some girlfriends and we ran into one of uh, a camper I had for two summers in a row, same program, Capernaum. And her name is Jenny. She's super cute. She's older than me. So she's in her forties now. And we ran into her and I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's Jenny. She had lost some weight. Um, but she looked older, significantly older. And, um, I ran up to her and she had minimal speech then. And I ran up to her (laughs) and visited and she had no speech Mm -hmm. and her mom was like, yeah, we, you know, some things have happened and she's lost her speech and I just stayed at feet, but then went back to my table with my girlfriends and just like kind of bawled my yeah. eyes out, you know? Yeah. And then I was, I kind of felt convicted too, kind of like, mm. man, if that happens to Sunny, like I'm going to wish that I had taught her sign or something, you know, like, and then I was like, should I teach her sign? I'm like, what? what's not, that's would be a great addition to her, for her as far as communication goes. And, and I don't know the full scope of why maybe Jenny lost her speech. I don't know her family life. Like there's so many other factors that could pour into that. That was a moment since that's such a tender, and I know you could understand that, Micah. It's such a tender subject that it was like hard to see mm-hmm. and do. Yeah, because it's so tender to your heart, and yeah. you yeah. think, "Oh, this could be sunflower." Yeah, and she was trying to tell her mom to get my number, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all there. That's what's I think hard to see. Yeah. 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 Like how to get the language out. Yeah. It's so interesting too, like as we raise our kids with Down syndrome and as we navigate siblings and the future and, you know, you like the example of with Augie or August meeting the man with Down syndrome and then you seeing your friend recently, Merce, and how we have this need or ability it's almost like arbitrary to project the, what could be on our kids with disabilities when things can happen to our kids without disabilities. This gets, I'm not trying to get real morbid here, but you know, like, like our kids without disabilities, things like I see a lot of adults who don't have disabilities and it's like, ah, I don't want that for my kid. Right. Like I really hope and pray my kid doesn't do my kid without down syndrome doesn't get into drugs and doesn't get into like certain, a lot of things doesn't make these choices. And just how real that is as a parent too, that we don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. But I think that we, I don't know. I think that sometimes we think we have more control over what will happen with our kids without disabilities, without down syndrome. And then we don't feel nervous about that future as much when I, I'm like, I think about Mason in August as they become adults and I'm not 
I'm pretty sure they're not going to get into drugs and alcohol excessively. I just don't know anyone with Down syndrome who has at all. I know a lot of people without Down syndrome who have, and that feels more burdensome and scary future to me than, um, than like my children losing their language, but I don't want any of it. I don't know. I don't think that makes sense. It's just interesting that even like our kids, our siblings, like truly thinking about Macy and Augie's future and like having concerns about that. It's like, yeah, but we can all, it's concerning. The future can be concerning for all of us. Like it's so arbitrary when we, some of those burdens, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or resonates at all. It does. I mean, it does for me, especially as I'm like in the, in the early teen years and I'm listening to a book right now about like helping your teens make good choices. And I just, we are sitting down and working out big time, like expectations for the next five years. And we're all putting our signatures on it. (laughs) And so, So and like having conversations about stuff that's really scary, having conversations about sexting, having conversations about drugs and alcohol, having conversations about like you know, the choices that you make in terms of how you work in school affect your life. And, and so I think there's a, there's a heaviness to that, that I think I've already walked through in a different way with ACE Mm -hmm. that I didn't really walk through in the early years with my typical boys, which what I think I mean is like, if we don't get this right, something really bad could happen. And I think mm-hmm. I felt that with Ace all through his early years, like we've got to get the therapy and now we got to get him walking. We got to get whatever. And that now that I've entered this other stage, I'm like, this has to be right. Mm-hmm. And no do-overs. Yeah. It's a pressure that, that I think maybe most typical parents don't feel until they're at this stage, mm-hmm. the teen years. Yeah. I could see that. I remember when we were adopting and people were like, you know, aren't you scared about adopting child with Down syndrome? They'll be with you forever. And honestly, what scares me more is what, yeah, what my kiddos without Down syndrome could do to their lives. Right. And still end up in my, in my house forever. Right. Like it (laughs) still is a possibility. In fact, I would love if they all kind of were in my house forever with their, (laughs) with their significant. Yeah. Like a big coming. I'm (laughs) for that. I'm for it. Um, so I've definitely felt that Heather, especially with having all boys similar to you, Micah, it's just like, I don't want deadbeat dads. Like, I just don't want like, all these babies, mamas, like I don't want drugs, which is like addiction runs in my family. And so like that for sure freaks me out. And I think the heaviness and burdens I feel for sunflower is different because I just get scared of bad things that will be imparted on her unknowingly. Yeah. And that, um, that just breaks my heart, the, the worry potential, whatever breaks my heart. And then the worry that I have for my boys breaks my heart in a different way because it will be of the choices they make or, mm, right. you know, that it just, it looks different. I feel like, 
um, because I guess I see sunflowers more vulnerable. And so it's the outside world in its entirety that is scary to me mm-hmm. or her. Yeah. You know, and yeah. where the boys, it's like they can take ownership. They are free will people. Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. I mean, along all the same lines here, um, Mike, is something you said earlier about what'd you say? Like trans the transformative, the beauty, transformative beauty. Is that the phrase you used? Maybe. Okay, I'm using it. Um <laughs> that like in in regards to thinking of your friend, specifically mm-hmm. Mercedes, who you saw, and even just like we've talked about this before that the grief is a roller coaster and Mercedes, mm-hmm. you and I have a kind of a similar story in that when we adopted our children. So the grief was a different, we felt it differently than I think moms do with an in utero or at birth diagnosis, but that it comes and goes, it comes in waves and something that Mason has done in August, but I, again, Macy was, was my oldest. And so I've been with her longer that she's done for me. I think for our whole family is that, that transformative beauty of I can find myself in that grief roller coaster. I can become untethered and feel so panicked for what the future holds for Macy in regards to her abilities, like literally what she can and can't do. And then the thing that's beautiful, I think untethered is the wrong word. I think what Mason's done is, is has created a tether for me Mm. and for our whole family of what it means to have value and worth as a human in this life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't become untethered. It's almost like, what's a visual for this? It's like you're a kite and I'm the, a kite. <laughs> the string is attached to the ground. Yeah. And so the, then like the kite can blow around, but there's always this, like, we are tethered to this idea mm-hmm. that if Mason fill in the blank, if Mason at 40 years old is no longer speaking, mm-hmm. yes, there will be grief there but it doesn't change how valuable and worthy and beautiful she is, right? Like Mm -hmm. if Mason doesn't do A, B, C, and D, the things that as a parent, I like can get really out of control about and feel the pressure to do more therapy and more lessons and more teaching and more, why didn't I do this? We should have, should have, should have, should have. Oh my gosh, no, I can always come back no matter how much I'm spiraling. I can come back to that grounding, that tethering that Mason has given me Mm. to say who you are is enough and you are good. And then that reflects onto truly, right? Like truly yeah. the things we're going through Watch truly this. right now, as if, as she's entering into adolescence, it's like, oh my gosh. And the layers she has as, um, a transracial adoptee, mm-hmm. as the only person who doesn't know her birth family, as the only mm-hmm. person of color in our home, as the only person who doesn't have a disability, like the layers for her are so thick and heavy and holding all of that, I can spiral there too. Like we should do, and we need this and you know, all those things. It's like, wait a second, let's go back to that grounding, that tethering of who you are as you are is enough and you are good. And that is the transformative beauty that Mason gave me. I don't think I would have that without a child with Down syndrome, or I wouldn't have it this, this, at this point in my life, I may think I could get there. Right. And so then I, I believe that for truly also, like, as we talk about siblings and people are very concerned for true, um, we have a large social media platform and we get a lot. Um, I get a lot of concerned followers and I mostly appreciate it because it's sometimes kind and sometimes it's nasty, but like, yeah, me too. 
I, I hold this burden so like with my whole being every single day of what it means for truly to be who she is in our family. And I really believe that Mason is going to give her that grounding, you know, mm-hmm. like it's almost like, um, my brother-in-law actually had this vision. Like as we, as I'm trying to figure out the right visual here, Macy is the anchor. Let's say that. And truly is the kite and she is all over and Macy is holding her down from flying away forever is kind of how it feels. And then she's encouraging Macy to like, look up, you know, strive for more and do these things. But, but truly will, I do believe she will be grounded because she has these siblings with down syndrome and she's going to have her own journey in getting there and she will have her grief. And she and I had a really interesting conversation this morning on this topic and which I'm happy to share about, but yeah, it's that transformative beauty that I believe Down syndrome ushers us into and we have the opportunity to step into it and be transformed or not. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that for me, for my whole family unit, and I'm really grateful for that for Truly however that's going to look for her life, you know? I feel like for my boys, we've also just ever known Down syndrome because their oldest sister has it. And I feel like they're still little, but I see in roads and it's been hard to see, but it's also like, I want to give him space to have his own journey, but I see him like flexing a little bit, his annoyance towards his sister, you know, or flexing a little bit of other kiddos might be giving Sunny negative attention. And he's just kind of watching awkward within himself. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And I used to step in and be like, Hey, we're all one team roads. You know, you stick up for your sister. You let me know what's going on. You don't just watch. And I don't want to shame him. And I don't also want to put on, I want to put a healthy amount of burden. Like, Hey, this is the expectations for our family, but I don't want it to be a burden to where then he repels it later or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it's such a fine line. I feel like. Mm -hmm. So then sometimes I just let it happen just to see what his knee jerk reaction is. And, um, usually it's to walk away than to tell me it's to just kind of remove himself, but he's kind of like, that. he doesn't really like confrontation. So, but it's, that's a, that is really upsetting to me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's been a hard one. Cause I want to cultivate a really wonderful connected, um, sibling relationship. And there is that extra layer of also, I don't, I want there to be a relationship, not a caretaker mentality. Like I'm not, I don't want to put that pressure mm-hmm. on the boys, Yeah, you know, for the future. Yeah. So I am kind of giving Rhodes room to flex, like what kind of brother he wants to be a little bit to Sunny in those moments, yeah. you know, and the rest of his siblings, but man, that part is hard to watch. It's hard. I can totally relate yeah. with that Merce, because I feel like with truly same kind of thing with Mason being an older sister, 
it's like, I want true to be the sibling. I don't even know if I know this person, but somewhere <laughs> it's in my head who is like my, I'm so grateful that my sister has down syndrome and, yeah. and my life is better and you better, you better treat her nice and, or whatever. Not that sounds very combative. Kick I don't rocks, need her to be combative. Kid. Yeah. Seriously. yeah. <laughs> but that's me. Like, that's my projection onto her and she's oh. got to figure it out. And what people, when people talk to us about the sibling thing, again, it is like, this is all our kids know. They've never not had a sibling with down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so, so this morning I was asking true, what does down syndrome mean to you? And she's like, oh, it's like germs and annoying. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Like, can we go a little, can we talk more? Or what does it mean to have a sibling with Down syndrome? Like, what does it mean that your siblings have Down syndrome? Oh, it means like germs and annoying. But the annoying piece and like what Rhodes is maybe feeling towards Sunny is could very well be there if their sibling, their older sister didn't have Down syndrome. You know, like mm -hmm. siblings get annoyed at yeah. each other. Sibling and, and yes, that piece is there and we don't ignore it. And the world reacts to our kids with Down syndrome differently. And their siblings without Down syndrome are observing all of that. But it's like, Okay, Truly's irritated that Mason, like the way that she drinks, that like shares water and food, like Truly doesn't want to share food and water. So germs <laughs> gross. I'm like, but Mason could do that without Down syndrome <laughs> and like annoying things. Okay. And we got, yeah, we like talked more about it. And, she, and I'm like, you can feel this, like, absolutely. And I think I could say, how do you feel about your sibling? Full stop. Ugh. Yeah. Germs and annoying. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it, I, we are so, we talked about this in the episode at the beginning of this month with a dual diagnosis. I think as human beings, we just really want to separate things. We want to know what's what and why and how, and it's yeah. like, it's all just intermingled mm. and we're just gonna have to navigate that mm -hmm. in the way that it is. Cause we can't separate it, you know, mm -hmm. like truly has an older sister, truly has an older sister with down syndrome. Like it's, mm -hmm. well, you know, it's both. And I don't know what's what, and I don't think it's ours to figure out. And I think there's a, you know, as I'm seeing the gap widening between Ace and his older brothers, there's a lot that it makes me sad about it. I, mm -hmm. I see, oh, yeah. and I, August has said things to me before about feeling, I don't know how he put it into words, but feeling like he has, like what he has with Brooks is a really different thing than what he has with Ace. Mm -hmm. And, and he and Brooks are getting older together and they are, you know, August is passionate about movies and wants to be a film director and watching these things that like, there's no way Ace is, Ace is super happy with Encanto and Moana. Mm -hmm. So we're having family movie nights when Ace has gone to bed mm -hmm. and it feels different now. And yeah. that's hard because I don't want Ace to be left out. Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, August deserves to, he's, almost 14 years old. He's passionate about movies. He wants to share them with us. So there's mm -hmm. things that like, I, I think it's always going to be that, that, um, back and forth of how do I nourish this relationship? And how do I also like give my typical kids what they developmentally need? Mm -hmm. And, and so I think, you know, there are times when I, I will say something to August or Brooks, like, what do you think Ace needs right now? And remember that you're his brother and you're, you are there for him. And so sometimes what Ace needs is for them to go jump on the trampoline with him. Mm. And, 
and especially because he can't speak to them, I, it's hard for them to nourish that relationship too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, it's, you know, they, there's sweet things that are like every morning when August comes down the stairs and Ace is already eating breakfast, he's like, high five Ace. Mm-hmm. And they give each other a high five. Um, there's like the ways that they communicate, but there's not like, let's get to know each other. Let's tell each other right. things. Oh, yeah. And so that's, that is going to mean that August and Brooks do have a different relationship than August and Ace have or Brooks and Ace have. Mm-hmm. And so holding that and also pushing them to have the kind of relationship that they can have with Ace and that what Ace needs and, and going beyond like what they expect out of really a relationship and, mm-hmm. and giving so that they can um, be there for Ace, even yeah. if you can't meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me follow, let me also follow up a little bit with what true what else truly said. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny. She, uh, one of the things I asked her, and I thought this was interesting. I said, so if you, like, if do your friends ever say anything to you about your siblings having Down syndrome? Like, do they ever say anything? Do they have any feelings about that? And she's like, no. And then I said, what if a friend said to you, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that your sister and brother have Down syndrome." What would you say? She goes, why? said okay and like what do you mean why and she's like well well why and what if they were like well because it's sad I think it's sad that they have down syndrome how would that make you feel like what would you think about that she said well I would feel sad for them I said for who she said for that person asking I'm like okay like I I that's an answer I liked you know and and I I said to her truly you can say anything I'm not trying to get you to say something here like you don't need to perform for me I really want to know what you would, what you would think in this conversation. And, um, and I think that's part of it when it's so intertwined with siblings is like the, wait, why, you know? And then, and I think part of the grief too, that, that I'm anticipating truly experiencing is the, like when she has a glimpse of, oh, this is why, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait a second, this is why, and how she's going to have to navigate that. Um, and just hoping that we can always be like open, open with that. You know, like you were saying, Mercedes, you don't want to shame roads. Like I don't want to create shame around yeah. the way she processes it. Cause she's right. going to need to figure that out. And yeah. sibling dynamics just in general are so totally wild, you know, just, yeah, it's a, it's a wild thing. It is encouraging though. We went camping with the Sullivans and Rhodes has always really liked Eli. And I just, I feel encouraged in the moments where I was having not doubts, but I just like kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, are you like going through this? Like I'm seven and, you know, my sister has Down syndrome. So I like to act annoyed around my friends about her. Like I was having those feelings, you know, as we were talking about imparting stuff in our own children. I don't know if this is how Rhodes is feeling, but it's impression that he was giving me. But then we go camping and he's just like playing with Eli so easily, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, okay, bud, you get it. You're fine. Yeah. This is cause she's your sister. Totally. And, mm-hmm. You know, and it's not kind of almost like how Shepard's his little brother. So he'll run faster with his friends, you know, and Shepard's like, wait for me, you know, yeah. in the same way. 
he's flexing those same things differently with sunflower. Cause it's like, Oh, my sister, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so I did feel encouraged when we were camping and he was having so much fun, genuine friendship with Eli that, um, I was like, okay, <sighs> the kids are okay. They're you know, be okay. <laughs> yeah. I think, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they will. Today, today they are today. okay, and that's all we've got. They're okay today. That's They're all okay we got today. There's a couple other questions like let, that I think we should real quick touch on. One of them is Mercedes. You talk about this a lot. The balancing the many activities of our child with Down syndrome to the activities of other children without mm-hmm. Down syndrome, and that is so real because if you don't put up boundaries and you don't put some intentionality around that, then it can become all consuming, especially those first three to five years. It's, it's intense. It's so many opportunities. So what are some Mm -hmm. things you ladies would say about that to the listeners? Just keep, uh, try to keep awareness, constant check of it. If it's getting your kiddo who's littler is having meltdowns a lot. If it's hard to get from a to B just somehow check yourself in your situation, your schedule and see what you need to possibly give up for a season. Right. Mm-hmm. Not forever. Just a season. Yeah. It's not forever. That's a good word. This is a season yep. and you can change your mind and you, you can, can stop and then you can go back. Pause. Yeah. And then play later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a part of a women's group that is that's the whole thing. It's like a boxer group. And I don't know these other ladies. We just share things. It's kind oh of my cool. gosh. But um, <laughs> I want to know more one about of the questions, that later. we answer questions. <laughs> one of the questions is, what are you proudest of? Um, like recently in your life. And I was like, you know what I'm proudest of is making the decision to move away from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And not because that was what I wanted. Because I think Chris and I, now that we are going to church in New York, driving in from New Jersey, every time we're in New York, we're like, when are we going to live in New York? This is the best. This is what we want for our lives. But, but we, what is working for our family is being Mm -hmm. in New Jersey. And, and that is like, I think of how hard each activity was for us to get to in San Francisco Mm. and how it. Everything that I signed one kid up for the whole, all three had to go and the other Mm -hmm. two waited in waiting rooms and it was always a trek. It was always across the city. It was always hard to find parking. It was whatever it was. And I purposely moved to a town where my older kids could walk to their activities Mm -hmm. and, and where, uh, it's just a lot easier to get to the things. And also Mm -hmm that has lined up with the older boys being old enough to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, you know, I, now I can take ACE to swimming lessons and Brooks can still be taking his guitar lesson mm-hmm. and he can walk the five minutes and walk back home. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say, like, that wasn't possible in San Francisco and mm-hmm. I felt the burden of it and that I am really grateful that, I listened to my intuition about it, like that there could be an easier life and an easier mm-hmm. way. Um, and so I think that what you're saying, Mercedes, is so important that this, it doesn't always, like not doing everything right now doesn't last forever either. There are going to okay. be times when your kids can do things on their own. And there's also ways you can change your life. I mean, if 
can be hard to change your life. And we, of course, had the privilege of changing our lives. Right. But it's also possible. It doesn't have to be as yeah. painful as it is sometimes. Yeah, this question is tricky because it is so relative to what people, like personality. And I think about parents who don't have kids with Down syndrome and all the activities their kids do, you know, excuse mm-hmm. me. <clears throat> and that's just not my personality. We've always yeah. been like, everyone gets one thing. Yeah. And that didn't include speech and OT and PT and all those things when the kids were real little. But now as they're, my youngest is eight, everyone gets to do one thing, except truly somehow manages to do like 10 things. But, <laughs> but I would say to the parents, um, who are feeling overwhelmed in the season of all of the, you should be doing things for your kids. Mm-hmm. That's a, that is a lie. <laughs> Don't listen to the should, the should be things mm-hmm. do what you know is best for you and your family. And if you want to do less, do less, yes. um, drop a thing. And again, it's not forever. And the, the thing that's so toxic about the should be doing is there's, it is a list that never ends. Mm-hmm. And you think you get to the end and there's 10 more things on the list. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's just don't fall victim to that. You know, do what, yeah. do what you need to do for your health, for your family's health. And that, that whole idea that it is a whole, a whole family unit. And yeah. And that even the piece, like it's hard to separate what's what. And if your kids without down syndrome, are like, well, my sibling with down syndrome gets all this stuff. Like truly we'll throw that out sometimes. I'm like, truly you are doing so much more than Mason and August have ever done, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like a sibling thing. Like, well, that's not yeah. fair. Cause they get this, right. They're like, just step back and look at what's happening here. <laughs> oh, kids. Oh, kids. Can you believe it? Do you ever have a moment where you're like, oh, okay. This is my life. I am the mother of children. That's <laughs> yes, a big deal. Isn't it wild? All the time, especially if we're all sitting around a table. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my gosh. You're like who's in charge more. here? That's what yeah. <laughs> Nobody is watching after me, you guys. <laughs> yeah. We made this happen. We got to the end of this day and we live in a house and, and have a car and work, pay bills. You in. How'd this happen? Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> ladies, thanks for sharing your hearts on this topic. I know we could talk about it for hours. There's so much more here. And listeners, we would love to hear your thoughts on anything that came up. Um, you can talk leave us a comment on Instagram or send us a DM. We would love to talk more about this with you before we go out though. Let's hear some good news. Um, I think we can sing it again. I've noticed that our editor, <coughs> Josh has not been yeah. putting any song in there. I but know. I, that, I was, I, yeah. how does truly feel? <laughs> oh, she's fine. Speaking of feeling left out, um, <laughs> truly doesn't. That's so like okay, Josh. <laughs> True doesn't listen to the podcast, so <laughs> we're in the clear. <laughs> she doesn't know or care. I actually don't think she would care, but I think Micah wants it back. So yeah, I do. Big time. No, <gasps> I got some good news. Some good news. Some good news today. Ooh. Good news. I like it. Good news. Oh, I wonder what they're going. I'm stealing this. I stole this. <gasps> this is from yeah. signing time. This is signing time. <laughs> <laughs> Name that too. Today. Today. That's amazing. <laughs> I like this new good news segment. Let's find a song to change into good news. 
<laughs> as long as we give credit where it's due. Exactly. Um, okay, so ladies, you have. Can you have a little blip of good news? <laughs> I don't know what we're. I have there. one to read from a listener. Ooh. Okay. Um. Let's see. Eli J three one one three says. We went on a very enjoyable family hike this weekend of about three miles, and it was fun. Not much complaining, which is always a great thing, you guys. Mm -hmm. Mostly everyone stayed together, also an A-plus situation. We talked about things that had to do with our hike and enjoyed one another's company. (gasps) You know, I love that. That's amazing. Great news. Awesome. Bit of good news. Um, I can share some good news about August. This is just yesterday. It may not be true today, <laughs> but we'll take it one day at a time. I picked Augie up from school yesterday and he said, mom, I just love being at school. Yay. And then started talking about why. I know he loves the playground in the back and he loves to bounce the ball and he just has a good time with his teacher. So <laughs> I had a great day yesterday and said that. the words, I just love being at school. <sighs> so good. I have, I have good yeah. news. That's good sibling news. <gasps> yes. We're at a point where, well, I, I mentioned to you two, I think before we started recording that it's spring break for my two older boys, but not for Ace this week. And yesterday I wasn't home from the store in time to get Ace from the school bus. So I texted August who like receives texts because <laughs> of a certain age yeah and i was like i need you can you meet ace at the school bus and he's like yeah i got it and he did get it he got I it. Love it he got him off the school bus he texted me back ace is jumping on the trampoline and i later heard that he and brooksy got on the trampoline with ace and they all jumped together for a while until Aww. ace busted his lip and started bleeding but the trampoline <laughs> it's, a, it's a high and low thing it. that trampoline <laughs> I'll take it. If, it's, if you're going to bust your lip, bust it with your siblings. With, bust it with you. your siblings. That's so um, good. That is, I love that. That's so good. That feels big. Yeah, like a really yeah. s- big, sweet moment. I love that. So good. All right, ladies. Well, it's time to wrap up the show because we're done. Done with this episode. Over. Um, <laughs> bye. See you later, everybody. <laughs> Um, thank you to Josh Avis for editing the episode and to Val Schleter for producing it. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with family and friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe yourself. And make sure to check us out at theluckyfewpodcast.com for all of our show, no- show notes and all the things we talked about today. And be sure to follow us on social media at the Lucky Few Pod. That's right. And hey, listener, you are slaying it. Your siblings are doing great. Your kids are great. Everyone's slaying it. Keep on <laughs> slaying. Okay. <laughs> we love you all so slay very much. Today. today. Slay, slay, slay. Slay today. <laughs> slay the day. We should copyright that. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. I'm Ever heard sure of it? that's already <laughs> a thing. <laughs> I think that just started just here and now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Slay the day. You heard it here first. (laughs) Bye, friends. We love you. Bye.